Hi, I'm Margaret Cho. You're listening to Monsters of Talk. I'm here with my co-host. Hi, I'm Jim Short. Jim, um, we have today in Los Angeles, in my home, one of my very, very, very best friends and um, somebody who really does everything. Um, people know her as Princess Farhana. Some people know her as Pleasant Gaiman. I, I don't know, isn't it a.k.a. Princess Farhana? Or what do you think? I think it depends what world you're in. If you're in the belly dancer burlesque world that's princess farhana aka pleasant gaiman and the, other, and the other way around for like not dancey people well because you are in so many different worlds um not only belly dance um burlesque and also uh, she's an author and also she is a musician rock star also a model also um Gosh, what do you think? What, I would say, what else do you do? Uh, you're also a seamstress, very, very talented costume maker. Um, are you a milliner? Yes, I have been a milliner. <laughs> but, but in a, a sort of tragic way, not not like a real millinery. A, tra a tragic? Not mil not a run. Yeah, I'm the tragic milliner. <laughs> the That's tragic milliner. You're not a run of the milliner? Uh, <laughs> I'm not a run of the milliner. <laughs> but like every time she, uh, Pleasant makes the most beautiful costumes and like the more beautiful it is, usually the more humble it's origins yes like as in dumpster diving like tra like there was a beautiful like art nouveau costume that she had made which was like very like it was like pearls and it looked it looked so um like out of an uh, a muka painting yeah it was total matahari yeah but then you're like oh this is garbage like it's like <laughs> it was it was dumpster dived lace that i spray painted gold because mm -hmm. when i was downtown looking at all the beautiful lace fabrics it's not that I was too cheap to buy them, but I was too broke. And, mm -hmm. and you know, there was like a pink one on sale. And I was like, I don't want pink. And then I came home and my boyfriend had dumpster dived all this like beautiful lace from some behind some factory in San Francisco or something. And I I was thinking, this is the perfect lace. and But I can't do anything with it because it's the wrong color. And then I, I was like, drat. And I looked at the shelf and I spotted like a big can of gold spray paint. Mm. And then it was a beautiful costume was born. Yeah, and you can sew through spray paint, too. Oh, good. That's good. In case anyone out there wants to know. <laughs> <laughs> so our show is very informative, too. It's like well, somebody sitting there going, how can I? But how do, you, how do I attach that? You can sew through it. I'm yeah. the belly dancing burlesque Martha Stewart. Yes. <laughs> it's a good thing. It's, every, it's everything. Brilliant. And That's also um, a very talented painter, which is something that people um, may not uh, be as aware of as much as your, um, your dance and your writing. Um, I love your paintings, too. Thank you. And yeah, everything. I need to paint more, but I'm in my quote, quote, spare time. No. <laughs> <laughs> An Egyptologist um, and uh, a makeup artist. Yeah. And um, a uh, just an expert of all, and also um, somebody who creates uh, electrical storms. Yes, that's, that's like a, an accidental thing that I'm starting to own now. I have, I have a, an electrical, actually in my book, in the new book, Showgirl Confidential, mm -hmm. plug, plug. Yes. Now, um, I, when I was editing this book, I realized like how many stories in it have weird paranormal occurrences. And there's like at least three or four stories about my electrical disturbance, which some people call it SLI, like for streetlight interference. And some oh. people call it electropsychokinesis, kind mm -hmm. of like, like Carrie, mm -hmm. except for you can't wreck things at will. You only like if you get stressed out, you wreck your computer or like oh, yeah. the alternator on your car or, um, you know, a DAT machine or like what just happened here before we tried to um, 
get on the air. The yeah. download card wasn't working. <laughs> yeah, the memory card, um, because I think you were interfering with it, elect- your electricity. Yes. So it, it emanates from you. Yes. It's and it, dis- it distorts the, the other machines and things like that? Yeah, it does have an effect on machines, but it also has an effect on um, like like weird things it's mostly like anything that has like electromagnetic mm-hmm. like you know like a microwave or a cell phone or a computer but it just and it only happens usually when i'm stressed or upset but a lot of people have this they have like the i i just call it in capital capital letters the electrical disturbance right. that's <laughs> not what it's really called let me see how many bars i get around you Hang on, let me yeah, i know you won't you get throw bars off and then my... sometimes if i well i have like, t-mobile so i have a shitty service anyways so. margaret was it weren't you in my belly dancing class when i used to make like mexican radio stations come in mm-hmm. yes. while the arabic cd was on i would pass yes. my hand over the cd player and i could get like like ranchera stations coming in and then other people would try it and nothing happened well, because you're magic. <laughs> what, 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 what causes it? Has anybody ever explained it to no, you? Or no, do you, just, you, know do you just know it happens? They can't study it a lot because, um, because usually like when people like me, when, when it's manifesting, it happens when you're like really stressed out or really upset or like tired or very happy. Like uh-huh. it just, it's like sort of a spontaneous reaction that happens. You know, like someone blushing or something, except it's right. electrical. Is it like an electrical surge where yeah. it, can, like it just yeah. overpowers? Yeah, it's a power surge, yeah. Like I've stopped that machines and sometimes even when I'm talking about it, something will happen. Like mm-hmm. that's the other thing. If you start talking, like one time I was explaining it to someone and she was looking at me skeptically and I said, yeah, sometimes just when I'm mentioning it, it'll happen. And we were sitting at a restaurant and the light bulb in the lamp above us just blew out and all this glass came down oh on Oh my God. <laughs> Man. It's electric. But she's electric. She's magic. And I'm so excited about your book. Like, okay, show, show Girl Confidential. Yes. And um, so what, uh, what is the, um, the, the whole, what is the book? Show Girl Confidential is, I think I told someone on Twitter the other day that it's um, chronicles of my gloriously misspent time on the road. <laughs> it's all crazy um, touring and road stories from like punk rock up until just after the Arab Spring. So mm. it's, you know, it's got crazy punk rock van tours across America and it's got some burlesque stuff and some film location stuff and a lot of like insane belly dance adventures in Cairo. Oh, that's so ex- exciting. Yes, Egyptologist for sure. <laughs> My first trip to Egypt, Pleasant, um, came, uh, we, we had lunch and she came like equipped with all the things that all the information and everything that I would need in, 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 in Egypt and also um, some pills for the trip over <laughs> so that I could be sleeping while I'm on the flight and then go right into classes and um, but that whole, what, Allah, what is it? Uh, what is it? Allah, uh, Ahlan Allah Wasalan, yeah. It's the big belly dance fest and festival in Cairo it's like the biggest belly dance festival in the world and it's right is it Raya that does Raya does it yeah Raya Hassan she's like the George Balanchine of belly dancing yes and her classes are really really tough I mean I, I've done quite a few sessions with her now and it's so um the uh, the choreography is so complicated and then you know you you know her well though don't yeah. you yeah, yeah she's great She's awesome, and she can also like if you if you're around her in real life. Not that probably most of the listeners will be, but um, <laughs> she sits in her apartment, which has all this awesome baroque furniture covered in plastic, just like on a, one of those mafia reality shows. 
looking at, and there's like a big sign that says Happy New Year that's been up like all year every time I've gone there. Uh-huh. And, and um, she talks simultaneously. She has a cell phone on each ear and then one she's talking in English and the other one in Arabic. <laughs> <laughs> it's so amazing. It's so amazing. But I mean, um, so you'll, you'll have all these different stories in your book. And the punk rock thing too, it's exciting because I can't believe it because you look so young, but you are actually um, on the brochure of how to be a punk rocker i know <laughs> they came out in 1977 isn't that amazing <laughs> and you look exactly the same Ex- except you have different color hair yeah and my hair is a lot longer now <laughs> <laughs> but she was like um kind of the example of how to be punk rock and uh-huh. um so it's, it's you who is it who's in that picture it's you it's two other girls it's right me and helen killer and trudy Mm-hmm. You know, who were like two very famous, well-known L.A. punks. And that was actually, we didn't know that we were going to be on How to Look Punk. That was a magazine that came out then. I think that was sort of a fashion lady trying to mm-hmm. cash in on punk rock. But um, that was just, that was a picture that was taken at this thing called the, the Punk Fashion Show at the Hollywood Palladium. And um, it was just like a random picture. And then it wound up on the cover of that. And I hadn't even thought of it until I saw it on Facebook. Like, how, how, how au courant is that? <laughs> <laughs> it's magical. And I actually just saw you, um, is it, is it Pamela DeVar's, is this the newer book that you, you have, it's like an interview yeah, in there? Yeah, let's spend the night together, mm-hmm. backstage yeah. secrets of rock and roll muses and super groupies. <laughs> <laughs> I have my own chapter. I know, super groupies. That's the best. <laughs> I mean, that's like a, such a royalty. It's like super groupy like in the you know in the same breath as like Pamela DeBar or like Patty Boyd Harrison Clapton yeah it's so exciting <laughs> and also like Cassandra Peterson you know Elvira, oh, Elvira. She, she's in there she, and, and Tora Satana too that's right I Elvis. mean this is like this book has like the best compendium of like really awesome chicks telling decadent stories about rock stars it's amazing and then your 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 chapter is very impressive thank you it's very romantic it is pretty romantic, but like now, you know, the people involved in that chapter, cough, cough, some world famous rock and roll people would be busted for um, corrupting the morals of a minor. But in the 70s, it didn't matter. It right. didn't seem to matter as much, did it? No, you know people what? People even wrote songs about it. They wrote mm-hmm. songs about it. Led and Zeppelin the, definitely would be hauled in on charges now, wouldn't they? Totally. Oh, my God. Okay, <laughs> Jimmy, so Led Mr. Zeppelin. Jimmy Page. <laughs> Led Zeppelin. Um, I, went, I went to Beverly High when I first moved out here. And Beverly High is right across the street from the Beverly Hilton. And I was working at this uniform store in Beverly Hills. So when I was doing inventory, I stole some like Hilton made uniforms. <laughs> and, me, oh. and me and my best friend cut school and... Um, Went over to the Beverly Hilton because we heard that Bad Company was staying there. <gasps> yeah. It was managed um, or road managed by the same guy that did Led Zeppelin, you mm-hmm. know, and they were all on the same record label. So um, we wore the maid uniforms over there and we were just wandering down the hallways, knocking on doors uh, of the floor that we'd heard that they were on. And then that wasn't working. So we took off the maid uniforms and left them on a cart because we had our bikinis underneath. And then we stole some towels from the cart and we went out to the pool and gave a fake room number which like they didn't check in those Mm -hmm. days and then everyone from bad company was out there so they were like buying us drinks when we were like you know 16 that's great (laughs) that's great that was a great way to cut school 
Well, I mean, I think that even when you were 16, though, you probably looked the you you look the same age as you you know like like an like maybe that that you do now. You have yeah. When I was 16, I looked like a damn fetus. Up until I was 30, I looked like a fetus. I swear to God, I looked like you're a still- baby duckling that would be in someone's Easter basket. Oh, you're still a baby. Though. <laughs> I'm a baby cougar now. You're still a baby girl. <laughs> no, you look so you look so young always, and I think it's because you live so fully. Thank you. Which is beautiful. I like it. I, I feel like I look old, but I don't look like, um, I don't know. I'm, I'm just going to end it there. This is a radio interview. You should see me now, you guys. Oh, she my God. young Lovely. and beautiful. But you don't, you don't look like, like, old, like some, some women now, they get so faked out with so much injections and surgeries and stuff you know i'm so scared to do any of that i i don't know why like i have like a lot of tattoos but i'm scared to get any kind of well you don't need it you don't need it okay but you know like it just like sometimes i consider it you know when you wake up early in the morning and then you first put your contacts in like at first you think (laughs) oh i look good and then you put the contacts in and you're like oh christ i'm a hack no you look beautiful oh my god see this is i knew this is why i came here to get a (laughs) self-esteem boost oh you look great i mean i i do consider um very extreme plastic surgery too like i think i kind of get bored with my looks and then i think it would be great to go into another sort of a childhood where you somehow grow up again and then you get like instead of hormonal changes it's just plastic surgery changes you know, like, so I, if I got plastic surgery, it, I would totally get like the crazy, like Jocelyn von Wilderstern, like that kind of. Oh yeah, of, start going in that direction. Me too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like a big lion. do it, instead of like the. so horrible. Yeah, so horrible. But it's better than like, you know, the Real Housewives of New Jersey or, or that chick from the hills. Yeah. Where it's just kind of. Like, I don't want to look bit. like that Barbie fish mouth. If I was going to go for right. it, like I would look like something insane. Yeah, I would really go for like Octomom or something like I would really go for something really intense. <laughs> yeah, because Octomom. Yeah. Why bother if you can't see it? Because why bother then, getting because it? Because then if, if you got that kind of surgery too, then we could make porn movies. I think. <laughs> <laughs> we don't yeah. need the surgery for that. Yeah, yeah. No, it's better with camera. surgery. It is better with surgery. You have to you have to have surgery and like anal bleaching, which I think you explored on your TV show. Oh yeah, I got anally bleached and with John Stapleton, we both went and I. John actually, Stapleton did it too. Yeah, he's I actually, a, he's a um, a Mac makeup artist that he, we love. He's great, and he um he actually uh, allowed me to paint his asshole, and I was really remark remarking about how um, shallow his asshole was, and I was like, why is it so like down like? What do you mean shallow? Well, it's because you know how like somebody's butt, it's like... Oh, not like the interior, not like no, in a Richard Gere no. way. But. <laughs> not like a going inside, but it's just like so close to the surface. Oh, of, yeah, I know what you mean. Like he didn't have a deep cleft. No, he, yeah, it was really like shallow. So it's like, oh, your asshole's right there. It was like his asshole's like imme- really immediate. It was, yeah. <laughs> and I took a little fan brush, you know, something that you put a highlighter oh, on. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God, that must have felt great. Yeah, and I like put it on his asshole and then um, I couldn't stop laughing and he was just like, go, could you stop laughing at my asshole? <laughs> And then he did mine and I kept laughing. I was screaming laughing. I don't think I've ever laughed. Did he do it to time. you? Yeah, he did it to mine. You guys did it to each That's so kinky. Yeah. Oh my God, I thought you had like, you know, an expert technician do it at one of those no, no, porn we actually, asshole bleaching places. <laughs> we went to Pink Cheeks, you know, Pink Cheeks. But you did it to each other in there? Mm-hmm. In the, oh, you got in waxed the, in pink cheeks. We got we got waxed, and then after we got waxed, we put we we were allowed to get on the table and and paint each other's assholes with the bleach. With the cameras in there. Mm-hmm. With the cameras. So the cameras weren't pointed at our holes. But yeah, they, yeah, but they were. You they know. were. 
implying a, it. That show was crazy. I did a lot of stuff. I got a G <laughs> shot on that show. What's a G shot? Where they where inject collagen into your G spot. That's what I thought. You were, oh my God. It was, that was, that. The, and Selene was in there and she was holding my hand. Why, to like make it Hear bigger? It? Well, because I, I, so you've had interior plastic surgery. I've had interior plastic surgery because it was, I, I don't believe that the G spot exists because oh, I don't yeah. have one. And so I, I think, well, it's not real. It's just something made up to make like your think, appendix. Like it's not really real. Yeah. It's not real or tonsils out or whatever. Like it makes you think that, um, if you don't have orgasms from intercourse, there's something wrong, you know, or if you, if you don't have like simultaneous like orgasms with your partner with um, intercourse that you are somehow undeveloped sexually or sexually immature. There's this whole but thing. But I think like maybe G-spots are like boobs. Like they can be all different shapes and sizes maybe. Yeah. Just because like, you know, like one time my dentist was, <laughs> this, let me talk about G-spots and my dentist. No. <laughs> G-spots um, and dentist. No, he was making fun of my bicuspids because he was like, oh, they're so cute and little. They're so tiny. They're all underdeveloped. And I, I started getting like a real um, inferiority. A complex. complex. about my bicuspids. But that's not like a G spot. But you know, maybe your G spot is like my bicuspids. Yeah, I mean, maybe. The, I mean, they're all different. Maybe mine is not as important to me. Totally. But then I had the surgery. They had to like first. They numb put a my shot. Cervix. What do they do? Put a shot up your cervix, like a yeah. shot needle. It's like a. Uh, How long is it? Novocaine, really long. <gasps> That's the first thing, and then it's numb, and then you can't feel anything, and then they put a the bead of collagen yeah! in where they believe that the G spot would be, but. Um, it was really painful, and then I couldn't have sex for like five months because it oh was so painful. Oh my god! Then what painful. do you need a G spot for? It was the worst. Oh my god! It was the worst, and it's like a very expensive surgery, which they paid f- the, the VH1 paid for, paid for. Oh my god! If that was your like budget on that show, I really couldn't wait to see like what was the budget for real on Jersey Shore. I want disclosure. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck a bunch of like Obama and flying saucers. I want to find out what really happened on Jersey Shore. Yeah, Jersey Shore, they just had penicillin. I know. Oh, yeah, they needed that. There was no cheese. They needed some Valclovir. Yeah, (laughs) because gonorrhea is an Italian word. No. (laughs) (laughs) Gonorrhea. You were also also on uh, the Cho Show, too, on the episode. We had actually an episode about plastic surgery. I know that was, so, but I wasn't there for any of the plastic part. No, you were, you were, um, you were there to be my support system. After going, I went to a plastic surgeon the consultation, and they had like marked up my face and body with all the things that they should thought that I look like. Sh- I should look like. That's so weird. So it was so it was so weird. But maybe I could go back now. That's what one time I was at an ear, nose, and throat doctor. I mean, this was years ago. This was before plastic surgery was such a thing all over the place. This is when it was like pretty much only LA or maybe like Houston, Texas based. Mm -hmm. I was at an ear, nose and throat doctor for, you know, because I had a note on my vocal cord and he was sitting there talking to me very earnestly and frankly about it. And then he took his pencil and turned it around. So the eraser side faced me and he like put it just above my eyebrow and lifted my eyebrow up with it. And then he was looking right at my eyes and he said, I could fix that, you know, like my kind of like Asian-y lidless eyes. And I, I was just like, I was like, what do you mean? I didn't even think that he was talking about plastic surgery. That was bizarre. That is weird. That's really weird. But there's nothing to fix. You're beautiful. Like, there's nothing to fix on most people, I think. No, just true. If they want to fix it. He was an ear, nose, and throat guy? Yeah, but I guess he did... Um, on the side? No, maybe not on the side, but I don't know. He was like a board certified, you know, because he would do stuff on people's earlobes oh, okay. and, okay. you know, mm. too. But he also did like all the, the real medical stuff. 
Um, I, I think I have to go have um, nasal surgery at some point. For not, real? Not for, um, not a nose job, but to get uh, my deviated septum corrected. Oh, yeah. And you, you know? haven't even done cocaine because we were just talking about it off there. <laughs> I know. I mean, it's like I'm missing out because I have a deviated septum, which is always like a problem with allergies. And then, you know, I can't take things intranasally. Yeah. I shouldn't. And cocaine, so obviously missed out. Okay, so that the pre-show warm-up that Margaret and I did together was so sick. It was um it was before you got here, Jimmy. First we were talking about quaaludes and cocaine. I don't even know how we got on that subject. Then um then Margaret showed me all these like blackhead popping videos from this like <laughs> Indian, like East India plastic surgeon or may- no, he's not even a plastic surgeon. He's a dermatologist, but he goes out to the country and finds these Farmers that have like comedones, aka blackheads, that are like a quarter of an inch wide, and he pops them. And then one, we were both getting goosebumps watching this video. And then one of the blackheads fell onto the ground, and the doctor was like, and then a mullet crawled up to lick it. And, and it was like, <laughs> I mean, seriously, like this was better than like any David Lynch movie I've ever oh, seen. So like, yeah, right. And well, we needed so the right soundtrack. And we couldn't tell what the mollusk was. Like it looked like a slug, but it had teeth like an earwig. And it had like a head like a flower. Yeah. And it was, it was so like sick. this flower shape. And then it was eating this dusty um, blackhead black head that had fallen into the dirt. That had like a black end and then like sort of like a maggoty body. It kind of looked the same. Yeah, it almost looked like that like the mollusk was cannibalizing yeah. itself. It was but so it looked like a grain of rice with a um, flower at the end. It was fucked up. It was it the was weirdest thing. Fu- I, I'm never going to be able to unsee that. And now, and now you guys, I hope my visual image was enough to make your day. <laughs> I've heard about these videos. It's so many, gross. Many I've, not, I've not mustered up the courage. I heard about it yet. too. I thought it was an urban legend until we just watched it. Well, I, I watch it. I mean, I think it's so gross um, to pop things, but I'm also obsessed with that too. Like I have a blackhead extractor and then sometimes if I if I have like a um, mosquito bite or whatever, some, like I'm allergic to it so it doesn't go away and it stays like a lump. You use the blackhead extractor So yeah, it? I use a blackhead extractor on it and like pus gets like so clogged <laughs> in there and it comes out like you were saying, like a like yellow toothpaste. toothpaste. Okay, I, one time I went to a Susie and the Banshees concert. This was like in the 80s. And I had stepped on a piece of glass when I was <sighs> drunk, which was like <sighs> most of the 80s. But I really wanted to wear these um, high heels, you know, like these Jackie O high heels from a thrift store. So I wore them, even though I had this glass in my foot and it hurt at first. But then the more drunk I got, the less I felt it. And then I went to um, the theater where the, the show was. And I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right because I haven't said it in 20 years. Einstein Neubotten oh, was opening uh-huh. for Susie and the Banshees and I made the mistake of taking a hit off a joint that someone passed to me and I just can't smoke pot. So I don't know what the hell they were doing on stage, but they had like this shopping cart full of like explosives with like a microphone attached to it and they were shoving it across the stage and all these sparks were coming out and I was sitting in like the second row and I was so stoned I couldn't move. And then finally Susie came on, which was like just sitting there having like, you know, awesome sick lullabies screamed at you. And when I got home, <laughs> the minute I took off my shoes, like I, I didn't feel the glass in my foot, but then I, I felt it when I took them off. And I was so drunk that someone had given me a snake bite kit for my birthday. Oh. So I took it off the wall and took another shot of Jack Daniels and I opened it up and I, I made an X in my foot where the glass was like how you're supposed to for a snake bite uh-huh. and then squeezed it out and, uh-huh. and it came out like yellow toothpaste. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh. 
but then it felt okay, and I poured Jack Daniels on it to sterilize it. Right, and that's no, so and, great. Did you bite on a bullet? <laughs> no, I didn't, but I should have. And no mollusk ate it. No mollusk ate it. <laughs> that's it. It's kind of like when um, Scott Thompson from Kids in the Hall told me that one time he um, had a planter's wart, so he went to a cabin in Banff, and he had a bottle of vodka and um scissors (laughs) yes he had bottle of vodka and scissors and he totally like picked it out of his foot this is like the grossest (laughs) show ever are your shows always this good no but sometimes we border on but this is quite this is new territory this is he didn't have like somebody that could take care of that (laughs) no no because he's really um you know he's really tough how long you have to wait in canada for somebody to look at it like fuck it i'm gonna get a cabin yeah, do yeah. It because it, because it's like in ski territory, and so before he like cut out the planners for it, then he go, "Here's Johnny." Yes, <laughs> the very the shining. <laughs> but I I took issue with the fact that he did it with scissors. Oh, that that's like what would you have used? I would have used box a box cutter. A, no, a box cutter or a uh, actually no a, a sharp razor blade. Yes, or, definitely a um, sterilized sharp razor blade. Yeah, because I I had a planner's wart and I made it worse and worse by cutting um, with a what is it like a corn cutter? Oh, you know those like, those yeah, files. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, those files. Selene, I hope you're listening to this <laughs> <laughs> because you want to tell what the Selene and Plez and I do this thing. Um, a few other people do it. It's like when we see each other. You have to make the old man whistling sound. Will you tell the story of the genesis of? Yes, it started on the sensuous woman in New York. I, I can't even remember how we started going. Shh. Oh, it was because I was talking like that and everyone was trying to practice it. And then Selene and I just started like saying Shh, all the time. And so did Ian Harvey mm-hmm. and you and me and everyone that was on the show. And then it got to the point where like um, we would text it to each other, just a bunch of S's. And if you follow any of us on Twitter, you'll see that every so often. Yeah, and now you know S's. what it was. Yeah. So if you like us, tweet a whole bunch of S's to at Pleasant Game and One and at Margaret Cho, right? Yeah. But what was that? What, it, what was from? It was just, you know how an old man talks? But what, I think there was like a thing where you, he was. Um, it was like the Walton. <laughs> Or it but there like was that, about that it was about <laughs> cutting horns. Oh no! About- but, oh no! No, it wasn't about cutting horns. It was Selene uh, uh, and I were watching like unsolved mysteries or some cops. Show. Oh no, it was cops, and um, the police bust in on this guy because he was doing crack, and there was like all these razor blades on the table, and he said. It's for my corns. <laughs> for my corns. Like, that was quick thinking. Like even though there's all that white powder all over it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that I would was totally just athlete's for, foot powder. But I would love I would love to do it for my corns. It's actually there's something really that feels good cutting off corns. Because it's primal. That's what I, yeah. well, this is okay, ladies and gentlemen out there in Radio Land on the internet. This is why we were watching the blackhead extraction videos. It's really amazing. Like it's really like You should be a dermatologist, Margaret. I know it would feel good. It would feel good to like actually do that like extract from other people and you'd be helping people. It's satisfying. Do you it ever, is. Do you ever pick zits or She's talking to Jimmy, do you? Look, he's yeah, going to yeah, say yeah. no. Yeah. Well, you got yeah, got to well, you got to do maintenance. I mean, but how long did this person, these people wait in this oh, God, video? Oh God, like thirty five or I think they never no had instructions. Yeah, I don't think no, that. because it looked like the Mars rover. I mean, it didn't look like it was on <laughs> someone's nose. You know, I mean, yeah, it, it was so much. It, they were so filled with debris and dirt it and looked, like, you scrub off. You got to scrub off. I don't mm. think they ever heard of that. 
but just um, ex- some things that you really can't get out without extracting them. And, um, you know, that, that sometimes people just don't do that. Okay, let's change the subject. Okay, what are we gross, gonna talk it's grossing about? me out. Well, I want to gross, I, I want to stop being gross and I want to talk about your book. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, when you're writing, do you, I mean, how do you, uh, how, you have such a vast life and so many things. How do you remember everything? I mean, you have a really amazing memory too. I do. Luckily, I have a really great memory. So when you sit down to write this book, did you, th- are these things that you had collected for a long time or they, um, there's just everything you thought, I'm going to write this book and then I'm going to do it all at once? A couple of them were um, already written because I would just write them because it, it I used to write all the time before I started belly dancing. I was a journalist and I had like eight books out. And um, and then I, when I started dancing and became serious about it in the early 90s, I was just like, well, if I didn't kill all my brain cells in the 80s, you know, my hips will probably give out before my brain does. So I need to dance. So I focused on dancing, but I was still sort of like secretly writing. And mm-hmm. I... I kept a blog for Princess Farhana, which has a lot of dance tips, but it's also got crazy stories on it from different travels. So I did that. But I would just write stuff. I would remember like weird incidents, like when I was telling someone a story and I would just write it down and say that should be a like a written down story too. Mm-hmm. So there was some of those. And this, um, this book, Showgirl Confidential, actually was so big at first that we're going to, next year put out a part two of it but it's going to be called something else it's going to be called because someone this came from a bumper sticker that someone slapped on my band van in the 80s the next one's going to be called good girls go to heaven bad girls go everywhere oh yeah yeah (laughs) Um, because it you know it was all the excess road stories that didn't make it into this book and it's not because they weren't good it was just like these ones all seem to have like a a flow Mm -hmm. through line but I just would write them at like airports when I was waiting for a plane or in dressing rooms or sometimes mm-hmm. when I came home from a gig when I couldn't sleep when I was all like hyped up, you know? Yeah. Do you write like on um, a computer or do you write uh, like on a, do you have a notepad? I, write, I write both. I have a, a journal. I've been keeping a diary since um, right the day that I turned 13 and I do that longhand. And for a while it took me a long time, this was in the 90s, to get used to just writing straight to computer mm-hmm. and not like putting it down on a yellow pad, but now I can just write at the computer. Mm. But I still like the longhand journal, although I'm starting to feel like I'm getting more and more away from it because of like tweeting and putting stuff on Facebook. You know, yeah. even, though, even though I don't, you know, it's completely different things, but I feel like I've gotten stuff like in a tweet or Facebook and then I, you know, at the expense of writing in my diary. Well, it's it's good like to write. I For me, like I write different, things like I, I write longhand if it's jokes or songs but on computer I write whatever like journalism or prose or whatever yeah. that that I seem to not be able to do it longhand there's something about it like that because you started doing it that way I think mm-hmm. maybe that's it that's what I feel I, I feel like that too like if I'm writing an outline of something of a story I want to write which I, I rarely do but if I you know sometimes I do it just to get make sure every point is there and it's not necessarily in order, but that always has to be longhand, even though I'm writing it straight to the computer. Mm-hmm. It's a bit, it's, it's a great thing. I love, love your writing and it's an exciting thing to be able to have like a whole book to look forward to, but it's very, um, so it's very autobiographical. It's, and it's totally, all, it's memoir. It's mm-hmm. all true memoir. And starting with punk rock stuff, like touring, and you had a band, a, few, a couple yeah, bands. Yeah, I had a few bands. It, mm-hmm. kind of, it doesn't, it, the book doesn't really go in chronological order, but I put it in an order where it made sense, like like one story will 
you'll see a through line when you read it, I hope. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I'd had, I toured a lot in punk rock. I had an all-girl band called The Screaming Sirens from 1983 until like 91 or 93, 93, I think. And then um, I had a band with my publisher from Punk Hostage Press, Iris Berry. And it didn't start out as a band. It started out as a writing group. And we used to mm-hmm. do like chapbooks together, me and her. And then we had some other girls do it. And so we were called the Ringling Sisters because we were all afraid of clowns. Oh, <laughs> and, and we couldn't th- and and our press in those days was called Carnival Knowledge Press. <laughs> um, and then people started putting music to Ringling Sisters writing, so it turned into a band that had like we did spoken word and like we'd call it glam surf jazz kind mm. of music. But that was like when bands like Babes in Toyland and L Seven were really popular. And so I remember like going into A&R guys offices and they'd be like, well, what's all this talking in between? Like, you need to edit this demo tape better. And we're like, and we're like, that's the point. Like, you know what I mean, like talking like it wasn't someone going, oh, we need to turn up the bass on this. It was like it was like a spoken word piece. And mm-hmm. they, they just thought it was talking. And then out of the Ringling Sisters came Honk If You're Horny which was we we just used to take our own songs and other people's like country hits and stuff and I would always write x-rated lyrics to them so we decided to do a one-off one night show of honk if you're horny and we all dressed like total like inbred trailer trash and blacked our teeth out and all the girls had black eyes with makeup and curlers <laughs> in so our hair cute. and stuff I know and we I all had names it. My name was Kanye fucker and we had <laughs> and, and and we had Tammy why not and fuck Owens and Spank Williams. Oh, and, that's great. Yeah, it was really good. I love it. <laughs> anyway, that wound up lasting like five years. And I think we only had 11 rehearsals in the whole time. Period. Uh-huh. But that's fabulous. That was good. And then when did you transition? Like almost like it's like almost like a transition like of life transition of becoming a belly dancer. That it started in 1990. And um, shortly after that, like someone came up to me at a rock and roll club in the ladies' room, and I was just dancing to a, a regular band, and um, she she asked me, are, are you a belly dancer? And I said, no, why? And she said, because you move like one. And mm. I'd always been fascinated with it, mm-hmm. um, you know, like from from a picture I saw in National Geographic when I was like four of this hot, like bouffant belly dancer mm. with Cleopatra makeup. And um, then I said, are you a belly dancer? And she said, yes, and I started stalking her. <laughs> <laughs> No, so I, go, I went to her show, and then I wanted to learn how to do it, and then I started learning it and adding on, like, you know, two classes a week, then three classes a week. Then I was cleaning my teacher's house for lessons, private lessons, and I mm-hmm. can't clean, and I hate it. <laughs> and then somebody gave me a ticket to Egypt, because you could just give each other tickets or sell them Yeah. in those days. So, um, actually, it wasn't, it was to Greece, but I... I added on Cairo and then I just like quit my job and left. And then when I came back, I started doing it. Oh, yeah. You, she's the proud owner of a few of my um, costumes because I'm a retired belly dancer. Oh my so God. So I've given, I've given, and um, plus some of, some of the great costumes that I had. There's one with like music notes on it. That's the best, the Elvis costume. Yeah. It's so Elvis. It's like really like Graceland. It looks like something Elvis would wear. It's like red lame with giant gold, like sequin and bead embroidered music notes. It's so gorgeous. But there, there's some, um, every once in a while I think, oh, I'm going to go back and be a belly dancer. I, t- I took a Jelena workshop. She was, so, Margaret was so good, belly oh, dancing. You. you were good. And no one knew it was her at first <laughs> in the classes. Like, 
They just thought she was like the quiet Asian girl in the back with good shimmies. <laughs> and then she asked me to open for her at the Wiltern and in so San exciting. Diego. And I was kind of horrified. I was like, I don't know if it will go with stand-up comedy. And, and you were like, all the dykes will love you and all the queens will want to be you. Yeah. And, and you were right. <laughs> it was beautiful. But, um, but then when she brought in the flyers for those events, like all these people in the class were going, oh, I love Margaret Cho. And then one of them looked at her and, and said, Oh my God, you're Margaret Cho. <laughs> <laughs> but it was so, it, I love belly dancing. Like it's such a beautiful world. And um, that's how we first met. Yes. Is um, do, doing your class. And so do you still teach like um, classes in town ever? Because you're always on the road. No, I stopped um, teaching regular classes here because I wasn't here. Mm-hmm. But um, every so often I'll do like, you know, a month long workshop or I'll figure out like when I'm, here midweek yeah. in LA and then yeah. just do like a little series. I miss so having fun. regular classes, but it's fun to teach all over the world. Yeah, you teach all over the world. And also you have another book coming out that in the future, which will be a very, very cool belly dance book as well. Yeah, it's called The Belly Dance Handbook. It'll be out in November. And that's um, it's kind of a lifestyle companion for anyone that wants to be a serious professional dancer. And it's totally belly dance centric, but actually you could take a lot of the premises and just use it for any dance form because it's got information about stage lighting and its effects on costumes and, um, you know, just all sorts of stuff about stage makeup and marketing and turning so professional great. and all that. Well, you could, you could be a life coach, but for um, somebody who has multiple lifetimes, <laughs> you have so many things. And you're going to do some readings for your book. Um, where will the readings be? All different places. Okay, the first um, reading is my book release party, which is this Sunday, the 29th, at Skinny's Lounge in North Hollywood, 4923 no, four, four, Lancashire, North Hollywood, 630. Lots of beautiful belly dancers and burlesque dancers, and it's free. So if you're in L.A., please come. Then the next one is in Austin, Texas on October 14th at the Continental Club at 8.30 p.m. That's also free. It's a, it's a happy hour reading, and it's in Austin, so mm-hmm. it might get dangerous. It's going to be great. That's great. <laughs> no, it's going to be great. That'll it's, be great. I have a lot of history in Austin. Actually, there's a couple of really scary stories about Austin in the book. Oh, good. Because I used to call it, ah, ah, ah. Ah, Austin. <laughs> so everyone in my band was having an affair with someone in Austin. Mm. Um, then the next one after that is at Skylight Books in Los Angeles on October 16th. It's a Wednesday. That one's also free, 7 o'clock. And um, on October 26th in Washington, D.C., I'm not doing a reading, but I'm doing an awesome show called Raven's Night. And it's a gothic theatrical belly dance show with drag kings. Mm-hmm. And that's um, at this place called um, Birch, Birchmere, I think. But it's called Raven's Night. Ravensnight.com. It, that's going to be a, just a cray show in it's, Washington. Yeah. Music. It sounds really... I oh God, I haven't been to a burlesque show in forever. Yeah. I almost never go. And everybody, everybody's different now. Oh, my God. You know, I, know I don't know anybody. So different. Oh, um... I just did a great burlesque show with Kitten Deville and a lot of the oh for Dixie Deville, yeah the Dixie for Evans Dixie show. Evans yeah that Dixie was, Evans recently passed away she was the uh, founder of Exotic World and she was um the Marilyn Monroe of burlesque she was yes. a legend she's been a big big burlesque dancer and then she sort of had this thing where she was getting all of the um 
older burlesque dancers like people like Tempest Storm and um, Lottie the Body and Satan's Angel and, and all Liz, th- uh, like Liz Renee mm-hmm. and yeah everybody she got them out of retirement and, yeah um, they had like but they had like, this thing where they would have this community of older women really just taking care of each other it was amazing it was really yeah, amazing it was really good and it, it was a it was a good example of like how to grow old with like dignity be, but fun yes fun great there, there's a there's a couple of burlesque stories in my book too, and one of them involves Tora Satana. That's all I'm gonna oh. say. <laughs> She's great. She's from great. Faster Pussycat Kill Kill. She was amazing. I always think that if I came out of burlesque retirement, that I should probably do um, the like a like ultimate Faster Pussycat Kill Kill. Oh my Tora god, Satana. you should you should do a tribute. To I think Tora. Yeah. you are so good at burlesque. Oh, thank you. For anyone that never saw the sensuous woman with Margaret. She was so amazing. Your ta- your talents are just crazy. Oh, thank you. Um, she's learning accordion now. Did you already talk about that? <laughs> no, I haven't. I have my accordion out, and it's very challenging. It's because it's not um, it's not something that I really know. I know a little piano, but it's kind of hard with the bellows and the you know. It's just almost like a wind instrument because it's like you're passing like wind through it. You're and passing wind. You're passing <laughs> <laughs> wind through it, and it's very. Um, so hopefully someday I'll, I'll I will get some mastery. I'm better at guitar. But whatever you do, you get really good at. Like oh, when you were you. doing burlesque with the the German meow act, oh, she was being was um, a Mao girl soldier, and you did those beautiful Chinese like giant silks. Yeah, so well and. It's fun to have, for me, like belly dance is all, not belly dance, and burlesque was all about props because then I could have minimal movement but still get sort of a max, maximum like visual impact. So but fans you, and stuff. But you always had a, um, you know, your stage presence was so amazing and your movement was really good too. Don't discount your movement. Okay, oh, I'm going to tell a really good prop story. One night when we were doing The Sensuous Woman at El Cid in Los Angeles, um, the dressing rooms there are right off the stage and they're very small and dark and there's usually like a bunch of tablecloths stacked up and stuff. And I got into the show early so I walked into the dressing room that I always shared with you mm-hmm. and I got completely grossed out because when I put my bags down in the dim light, I thought someone had left like a half-eaten like chicken wing or something, <laughs> left it on the counter, you know, right in front mm-hmm. of the mirror and I was like, ew, gross. And I was looking for a tissue to pick it up and I was thinking, who would do that? And I turned on the light in the dressing room and then I was like, oh, thank God, that's not a, a half-eaten chicken wing. That's just Margaret's dick. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good because I had this very elaborate fan dance where the reveal at the end, it's a very long dance. It was like a seven and a half minute number, but I, I re- revealed taking off all my clothes that I had a penis, like a fake rubber mm-hmm. penis. And it was flaccid. It was flaccid. I mean, it wasn't just a fake rubber penis, like fake vomit that you get in a magic store. It was like <laughs> anatomically perfect and it was in yeah. proportion with you and it had yeah. hair on it. It was like my skin color. A mollusk would have eaten it. <laughs> <laughs> but it was so, it had actually like specially blue painted veins. Yeah, it was And then perfect. my pubes were matched to it. It was such a, but that number was so crazy because it was such a long, laborious thing with fan dances and it was very, very... Um, and it was to opera. It, it was, was really opera. beautiful. That Thank was a you. stunning piece. Thank you. But it was very, I mean, it was such, it's such a long time to get to it that when they finally saw that the end of it was a dick joke, um, I think I had some of the longest laughs that I've ever had. Not, not even and as it a comedian. Also, it, uh, there was always like a little pause because when you would stop in the pose and then it would always take about like four to eight beats before the <laughs> laughing started because ev- everyone would be like, oh, that's be- 
Because they had to identify. Yeah, because they, they were all yeah. sitting there going, "Fuck, is that a chicken wing?" <laughs> oh no no it's a dick it's a dick <laughs> but it was very i mean to me it's it's very it, it's very fun about i the thing about burlesque and belly dance also is that i just got sick of carrying shit to gigs oh my god i know <laughs> like, it's I like wanna... you're, you're bringing all like three suitcases and like giant fans and you're like i'm doing all this just to get naked <laughs> yeah because you need to have it's about the theatricality of it i mean so little about burlesque is about being naked so much of it is about what you're wearing. Yes, it's about what you're wearing to frame the nakedness. Mm-hmm. And the, I mean, like, oh, uh, sorry, <laughs> I got sidetracked. There's business going on There's in the business. other room. But nakedness, like to me, I've never, I don't know, I've never had an issue with it. I think that uh, people get so, I don't know, freaked out by it sometimes when like you get naked and they totally do. I've I think, never had an issue with it either. Yeah, I always think, well, it's just a body and. I don't know. The only issue I ever had with nakedness was at Burning Man, like when I used to go there a long time ago, when always the first people to get naked were like the rotund, bald guys that weren't even like oh. bears or anything. They were yeah. just nerds. And I, I, you know, like totally like congratulated their willingness to get naked, but they were always like sunburned immediately. And there oh. was always like a bunch of foxy people around <laughs> that weren't getting naked. Or my my taste in foxy. Mm-hmm. I gotta say that. But I mean Well, yeah, they're 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 always the guys who get naked first. You know, I don't like it when guys um get naked but only um leave a t shirt on. Ew, that's well that was the kind of nakedness it was on to so that they wouldn't get sunburned. It <laughs> on was their like, shoulders. It was like that weird nudist camp kind of nakedness. Uh-huh. Where it'd be like, You're naked, why are you wearing house slippers? I mean I can kind of yeah. see for practicality, but did it have to be house slippers? Couldn't it have been like some nice wingtips or something? Yeah, it breaks up the line. You want something that like kind of goes with the body, not like house slippers. Totally. Like that's could so you funny. imagine like like um the, you know, the Michelangelo statue and house slippers and a watch. <laughs> a watch. <laughs> a watch. And that nudist camp Cause, cause nakedness. You've got, you've got to keep good time. Totally. And like a key a, a cabin key around the neck because there was nowhere to put a wallet. It's <laughs> <laughs> so good. So where can people tweet you um and then find also out about your book? Where can they tweet you at? You can tweet to me at um twitter.com slash Pleasant, P-L-E-A-S-A-N-T, Gaiman, G-E-H-M-A-N-1. So it's like we'd be at Pleasant Gaiman 1. Yeah, at Pleasant Gaiman. And then um, you can get the book on Amazon. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm really excited because because it's called Showgirl Confidential. Another book just apparently came out this week that was by Gunnar um, Hansen, oh. who was Leatherface in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Whoa. And his book is called Chainsaw Confidential. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> and they're both up close to each other, at least when I checked it on my computer. That's for my, really great. My vanity stocking. But yeah, you can get it on Amazon now. And um, I'll have it at readings and I'll sign it for you and kiss it with lipstick if you come. It's well, you know, if you're if you're going to be in 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 any of these towns, you've got to go see Pleasant Reed because she really is royalty. And I mean, I'm just I'm just so amazed and always is an example for me as a like in life and as an artist that you can really apply yourself to anything that you find beautiful and you can make it happen. I mean, it's but such that's a beautiful a, that's thing. That's the same way I feel about you. Yeah. That's what I was just talking about. You do that all the time, like with guitar and accordion and burlesque and 
anything else. You just do it. You decide you want to do it, and it's awesome. Well, I learned it. I learned it from you, and you're you're the best teacher. And I'm I'm so excited to read your book. And I'm just I'm just glad that you got to hang out with with us. So thank you so much. You're welcome so much. Pleasure. And. um, You can tweet me at Margaret Cho. Where can they tweet you, Jim? At Jimmy Shelter. And you can tweet both of us at Monsters of Talk. Um, We are up on Mondays and Thursdays on SoundCloud.com. You can subscribe to us on iTunes. We love our listeners. Go out and get Showgirl Confidential. Um, It'll be be out on hard copies, and then it'll be out on Kindle, too. It'll be out on Kindle probably, like, just... At the end of November, like just before Christmas. Oh, good. So that's like a good. It's a good, but it's a good gift to give people. I think it's a. It's going to. I love your writing, so it's going to be like an exciting several days where I'll get to sit with your book, and just like <laughs> read the whole thing, and I, I really can't wait. Yay! Thank you so much, Pleasant, and uh, we love our listeners, and we will talk to you next time. Love you. Mwah. Love you. <laughs> 